When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I am excited. There's something about Annette France. She just keeps coming back, and I love that she does, and this time, we are going to talk about her newest book, tell you more about that in just a moment, but a couple of quick announcements. If you've got a question or you've got a story, please go to any of the social media channels, look for me. I am pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. And if it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep. I will either ask, answer the question there. I will answer the question on this show, in my newsletter, or on my TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Some of those episodes can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, C-Suite TV, and you can go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv and catch episodes there. All right, let's jump into Annette Franz and her latest publication. And Annette, You've been here three other times. This is you may yeah. be the only one to have graced this uh, show four times. Thank you for being here. I love it. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, you and I could talk about all things customer experience forever. So this is why I'm I've been here now four times, or this is my fourth time now. So <laughs> well, I, I'm excited. I, I'm excited to have you. And so tell us about the book. Oh, I'm so excited. You know, this was a this was a fun project. So first of all, here it is in real life. It's here. Built to win. Built to win. Built to win. Designing a customer centric culture that drives value for your business. Right. Um, it was it. You know, this one I published with a publisher. Um, quite the quite the project there. Um, Advantage Forbes Books had reached out to me last April, mm-hmm. and within a month we had the paperwork signed, and I had like. 122 days to write the book <laughs> on a, in a 122 year. days. Yes. Yes. From the moment that we signed the contract to when they said, Hey, this, I, we need the final manuscript end of September. So, and then how long, let's see. So that was end of September yeah. and now we're six months, seven months later. That's how long it takes for them to get the book out. Yeah. But they expected you to write it in 122 days. Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, The book is, it's titled Built to Win, Designing a Customer-Centric Culture that Drives Value for Your Business. And in the book, there are 10 defining foundational principles. And I thought for fun, we would just run through all 10, maybe spend a minute or two on each, kind of tease the audience with some nuggets of information. And maybe by the time we're finished with the show, they will head over to Amazon and buy this book. Yes, yes. That would be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So let's start with uh, culture is the foundation. And I believe that. Yeah, absolutely. That's number one. 
it is number one. It will always be number one. And it's it's crazy to write a book about a customer centric culture and have that be the, the you know, number one principle. But, you know, culture is really defined as core values plus behaviors. And if we don't have those defined and socialized and operationalized, we are just going to get the culture that we allow. So it has to be deliberately designed to be customer centric. And that means some of those core values have to be customer driven core values. Right. So, yep. Core values plus behavior. Get that, everyone. Okay. Because you can have all the core values you want. You can have this incredible vision and you can talk about the culture, but if people don't act it out, they don't behave a certain way, it's all for naught. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Number two is leadership commitment and alignment are critical to success. Yeah. Um, and this ties in very closely with number one, right? Because there's that saying that you get the culture you design or, or the one you allow. And if leadership just lets things run amok, then <laughs> they will run amok, you know, and that's the culture that, that you're going to get. Um, but it's really important that they're committed to this customer centricity and that they're all aligned on it, right? If your CEO and maybe one or two other executives are committed to this and, and, and agree that you know, this is the way that business is going to be run, but the other seven aren't, it's going to be a real challenge to have the entire organization because customer centricity and a customer centric culture, it's organization wide. It cannot just be one department or one person or whatever. It's got to be organization wide. Right. But they all look to leadership to set the example. Exactly. Leadership it needs to be a role model for, yeah. for this. Um, you know, I love my example that I always go to is Walt Disney and you're out in California. Just uh, how far are you from Disneyland? Mm, 20 to 30 minutes. 20 to that's like the happiest place on earth. You're 20 <laughs> minutes away from the happiest place on earth. So Walt Disney, when he created this theme park, the original idea was he had his daughter and he said, we're at this theme park. It's dirty. It's the roller coasters rickety. I want to create something amazing. And he would, after he built this beautiful park, walk through the park and everybody would be like, oh, there's Mr. Disney. Oh, look at him. What's he going to do? Who's he going to talk to? And then they notice he would stoop down and pick up a piece of paper and throw it away. And he called that, or Michael Eisner might've actually called this, uh, called it that, but stooping to excellence with the idea that he, that he said, I stoop down to pick up a piece of paper to throw it away because that's the same behavior I want from everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Exactly. So, and, and I think um, Walt Disney also had a quote, something around going back to core values too. So if you know your values, you always know what the right thing is to do, right? Something along those lines. of Yeah. So, and I would not only know them, I would live them. I mean, that's, exactly. that's the important part. And, and in leadership, everybody's looking at, at anybody that's even in the manager departmental leadership level, people are always looking to their boss yep. for him or her to share uh, ideas, wisdom, and of course, support whatever that culture and vision is. Yeah, All right. Number three is employee experience. Employees must be put, must, this must be a typo that I have here. Employees <laughs> must be put first. No, more first, more, more first. Oh, oh, so that every, is right. Employees every, every time. Put yes. More first. More first. <laughs> Even the publisher said, is that a typo? And I was like, no, that's not a typo. So do you know who Hal Rosenbluth is? Uh, the name is familiar. Rosenbluth International, the travel, the travel. Oh yeah, company. the big, huge travel company. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I've he actually written about Hal before. Yeah, and have you ever read his book? His book is amazing. It's from 1992, but I just read it just a couple of years ago, and honestly, it's 
even when he talks about fax machines and technology, it's the same sort of stories that you would talk about today. But the mm-hmm. title of the book is uh, something along the lines of um, customers, customers are second. But in the book, he talks about how if we want to put customers first, we need to put employees more first. And that means that really it's all about people are important and people are have to be the primary focus, right? But it's also about we know that if we have a great employee experience, we're going to have a great customer experience. That connection between employees are happy and engaged, they'll be more productive. Uh, you know, the, the customer experience will not suffer as a result of that. Absolutely not. So, yep. All right. We're going to jump to the next one, which is uh, number four people come before products. Yep. Yep. It's there's, there's this Seth Godin quote that says, Do you find customers for your products or products for your customers? And that is just a, there's just a, it's, it's not even a subtle distinction. It's a clear distinction, right? Mm-hmm. So let's find products for our customers. Let's solve problems for our customers. And in order to do that, we've got to put the people first and really take the time to understand them and their needs and their pain points and the problems they're trying to solve, the jobs they're trying to do so that we can develop products for them, not find customers for the products that we've developed because we thought it was a great idea. Or we thought this was isn't that product uh, development 101 is make sure customers would want what you are getting ready to sell. I mean, that's, and by the way, you think? so many companies uh, make a mistake and I shouldn't say um, companies, it's somebody that says, this is going to be a great product. Let's build it and they will come, right? Exactly. <laughs> this isn't yeah. the field of dreams. Yeah, is- it is definitely not. I use the same the same story in both books, in my first book and in this book. And it was this webinar that I attended where the at the end, of, and it was about building a customer-centric culture. And at the end, somebody asked, well, but if I focus on my customers, won't that take away from the focus on the product? <laughs> I just like, really? Hello? Okay. Uh, <laughs> do not invest in that company. Yeah, okay. definitely. That, not. that is truly a Las Vegas gamble to invest in a company where somebody yes. says something like that. And then you've got the other side of it where Steve Jobs, you know, said we create the products that customers don't even know they want yet, but we know yeah. they do. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, Apple has done its share of research. They were a client many, many years ago. So they do their share of customer research too. <laughs> Good name drop there. Now, right? You know, Apple is a client. Yes. Uh, I like that. Yeah. So it's one thing to quote famous people. It's another one to say, yeah, that was my client. Yeah. <laughs> so we're sitting around the table one night and that's having dinner with all of us and everybody's saying what they do. And we get over to Annette. She goes, I work with Apple and I walked on the moon. <laughs> all right. Number five, which uh, is another people, people first, people come before profits. Yep, absolutely. I think, I think, well, this is all about sort of that old, you know, management adage, you know, we, we have to focus on uh, and maximize uh, shareholder, uh, shareholder value, right? The problem is, is that profits and shareholder value, those are outcomes, right? And in order to get to those outcomes, we really have to put our people first and we really have to focus on ensuring that there's a great employee experience, a great customer experience, because that's ultimately going to translate to great, great um, outcomes for the business, right? And I think that's the part that people don't think about is that's an outcome. And so we have to do the work to ensure that we have those great outcomes. And that work is all about, you know, your people and doing what's right for your people. You know, if you take a look at who the companies are out there that are listed as the best companies to do business with, whether it be high NPS net promoter scores, high uh, CSAT, uh, by the way, I am getting to interview uh, the guy that invented CSAT, you know, University of Michigan, uh, Michigan. 
Klaus oh, Corner. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I get to do that. That's going to be one of our That's upcoming awesome. episodes of Amazing Business Radio. Um, but, you know, I think you're, you're so right. Um, if you focus on a profit and ignore your people, uh, and ignore your customers for that matter. If that's more important, everybody's going to see through it, through it. And, and I think long-term you're doomed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I think that again, you have to view it as an outcome. When, when you, when you say people before profits, uh, you always get that. Nah, that's not what our business is about. Right. Well, here's the thing. There's a balance there. Right. So yeah, but it's it, always a balance. It, always it don't balance. go extreme. <laughs> it's not, it's not that we're not going to be thinking about profits, but it's, we're going to be thinking about how we get there. Right. Yeah. How we get there, how we treat the people. Do we create a culture where people are engaged? Exactly. That's one of the biggest issues right now. Uh, people say, you know, this great resignation, you know, people are leaving, they're not working. It's hard to get people. I go, well, when you get people, you got to turn them in from working for a paycheck to working for the company, you know, which in turn means working for the customer. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. All right. The book is titled Built to Win, Designing a Customer-Centric Culture that Drives Value for Your Business. It is available everywhere. We're talking with Annette Franz. We've talked about the first five of her foundational principles. And when we come back from the break, we're going to cover the next five. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert, and I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Annette Franz, the author of Built to Win, and we are going through the 10 defining foundational principles that are in the book, but you should know that prior to her writing the book, she only had eight. So somehow two were added when she wasn't looking. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, and actually one of them, and when we get to it, I will tell you one of them wasn't even in the book when I submitted it at the end of September, I actually woke up one morning in a sweat and it was like, Oh no, why didn't I add that? Well, I, and, and so which one was it? Just tell me the number. It was number eight. Number eight. Oh, you're going to like that one. People Yeah. you're going to love that one. All right. Let's start with number six, since we've done the first five and that is people. And this is another one. Something's coming. Uh, people are coming before something. And that is people come before metrics. Yes. Yes. This is, this is a big one in our world, right? Um, yeah, I thought we lived by KPIs. <laughs> I know. Wait, isn't NPS the be all end all, you know? <laughs> yeah. Look, look at, we're talking in acronyms, NPS, KPI, CSAT. Okay. Oh, KRs. Okay. AR, yeah, right, right. <laughs> ROI. Uh, um, yeah, this is this is a big one, right? I, th- I think whatever the metrics are that you track, it's all about tracking those metrics. And I always say, if you focus on moving the needle, 
on those numbers, you do things differently and you do different things than when you focus on improving the experience, which will ultimately move those numbers, right? Which by the way, a number can be tied to improving the experience too. Yep, exactly, exactly. So I think that's a really critical point that um, a lot of people don't think about. I'll go back to, you know, my I started my career, this is my 30th year in this customer experience space. You're not that old. I started when I was four. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. (laughs) Um, 1992 started at JD Power and Associates. And that is, you know, if you've, if you've ever bought a car in your life, you know what that experience can be like after you have finished. And it was, I I just recently bought a car. It wasn't quite as bad, but it was still bad. But early in the, you know, 20 years ago, when I bought a car, you know, back in the day, it was blatantly, Hey, you're going to get a survey. And when you get that survey, if you don't, you know, give me a 10 out of 10, I'm going to lose my job, not get my promotion, not get my commission, you know, blah, blah, blah. I lose my firstborn, whatever it is. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's bad for the customer experience because it's icky, but it's bad for the, for the employee too. Can you imagine being that employee and begging for put, your Yeah. Commission? Put on in that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. here's an interesting stat from her latest research. All right. Uh, which will be published probably in the next, uh, well, probably about the time this episode is out. The research should be out as well. 40% of customers that we surveyed, over 1,000 consumers in North America, um, 40% stopped doing business with a company because their customer satisfaction survey was too long. Oh, wow. That just seems like a very high number to me, but I still, even if the number's half of that, you're going to lose one out of five people. And by the way, my car dealership, to your point, those, those are not short surveys. And then you want to know the worst part about it is when you come back in to, for your service, if yeah. it's like, you know, you buy the car, you get the survey three months later, you back in for your first survey, yeah. they send you, if not close to the same, the exact survey, you know, right. and it's long and you're going, I truly have survey fatigue. I don't like the survey. I'm sorry. Uh, you may lose your firstborn child if I don't respond, but that's just the way it's going to be, you know, yeah. Yeah. in the time it takes for me to respond, I could have uh, gone nine months. No, it's not a nine month survey, but, and we could have had another firstborn child. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm going way off the tangent. All right. The point is uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, putting a, a number, you always have to think about people. And, yeah. you know, the other day, somebody asked me, uh, what is the biggest mistake that a customer support center makes? And I said, well, sometimes mm-hmm. they're using metrics that really tie, you, you want the, you want to take care of customers and you tell your people, you want them to do that, but then you tell them they got to get off the phone as quick as right. possible, yeah. you know? So figure out where, where the balance is, right? That's right. your point. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah. You have to, if it's one of the things I talk about in the book too, and how you change the culture, right. Is you can't talk about we're customer centric and then incentivize for things that are not even have nothing to do with being customer centric or have anything to do with the customer, right? So you, everything has to be in alignment there. Yep. Yep. All right. Customer understanding is the cornerstone. Yep. Yep. You and I have talked about this before on, on probably either two, I think maybe two episodes ago when we talked about my first book, it really is. So the cornerstone is that center stone or that first stone that's laid in a foundation, right? And everything else every other stone is laid around that. So we've got the foundation, which is culture, and then we've got the cornerstone. And there's a great graphic in the book that I created to sort of tell the story, right? You've got the culture is the foundation, then you've got the cornerstone, and everything else you do is laid around that that first stone that you lay. And so that first stone is 
the customer and the voice of the customer and bringing in customer data, everything that we know about the customer so that we can use that to design the experience that your customers expect. So really important that um, we bring the customer voice in and it ties in very closely to my definition of a customer centric culture, which is all about no discussions, no decisions, no designs without bringing that customer voice in without first asking, how is it gonna impact her? How's it gonna make her feel? What value does it deliver for it? You know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, uh, listen to the customer know your customer, understand your customer. Absolutely. Number eight, this is the one you added, governance bridges organizational gaps. Ooh, that's so technical. It is technical. And I apologize at the end of that chapter too, because I start the chapter by saying just what I told you. I woke up in a sweat this morning going, oh my gosh, why haven't I included this? And at the end of the chapter, I apologize for being, it's a heavy lift. It's a heavier read than every other chapter, just because I go into what- Just that word governance starts to scare me. Exactly. And I say that too. It is a scary word, but it shouldn't be in this sense, because really what it does is it helps to bring the organization together. You know, we talk about breaking down or connecting silos, having this governance in place and governance has two parts to it. There's the structure and then the operating model piece of it. The structure is all of the committees that we have, the cross-functional committees that we have to get the organization working together for the benefit of the customer, right? And then we have the operating, what I call the governance operating model part of it, where we talk about the people, the tools, the data, the processes that help us take what we hear and what we have in terms of the data and disseminate it, use it, share it, close the loop, everything else. And how, how do we you know improve the processes and everything else that we're doing so that ultimately the customer has a better experience, but it's all about bringing the organization together. And by definition, a customer centric culture is a collaborative culture. It has to be. And so this, this is why I woke up in a sweat going, why didn't I put this in there? <laughs> yeah. And, and to me, governance is kind of like ties so much to the process and making sure you're always keeping that in mind. And if you create the right process, I think the governance and, and really taking a look at um, just watching for people going out of alignment yeah. is, is key. Absolutely. Governance, yeah, it is about oversight and execution. So you just have to keep, there's a balance between those two. Absolutely. Yep. Number nine, and this is a fun one to, to read, and I'm going to read it and hopefully <laughs> not mess it up. Outside in thinking and doing versus inside out thinking and doing our core. I want you to say that five times fast. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I just had thinking at first and didn't have and doing, but it's not enough to just think. I think this is part of our problem here, right? Is it's not enough to just think about it. We actually have to do this, you know? And so Outside in is obviously bringing in, maybe it's not obvious, but outside in is bringing the customer voice into everything, everything we think about and everything we do, right? So not enough just to think about bringing the voice and we actually have to use it to do something inside out is all about, we think we know what's best for our customers. And so we're just going to, we're just going to do that. Right. Yeah. That's and the that's, op- opposite of customer centricity. Yeah, absolutely. 110%. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you know, I, I love the companies and, and I know Jeff Bezos was famous for having that open chair in the room, always saying that's the customer. A number of companies are doing that. And that's basically uh, always thinking about the outside and making sure that outside, even though they're imaginary, (laughs) I love that the imaginary customers over there, sir, are you qualified to run our company? It's it's just, it's, it's, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. It's not real. Okay. But you know, what's interesting. I've talked to, I've worked with clients where we've, you know, when they ask, well, how do, how do we do this? How do we help to bring that, you know, mm-hmm. outside in? 
And when I talk about the, the empty chair, and by the way, Starbucks one upped him on that, and they have two chairs, one for the employee, one for the customer. So, Ooh. so Ooh. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but clients have taken it to heart, right? And they paint the chair, they put you know, teddy bears on it. They just like, they make it so that it's real and present and nobody forgets that the customer is in the room. So it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I'm having visions. Uh, we watched two and a half men, the TV show, which is crazy funny. And, and, uh, what's her name next door? Um, oh, can't believe I'm drawing a blank on her name. doesn't matter. But she like stalks Charlie. Okay. You know? And so, uh, and she says, I'm getting married and she marries a mannequin. So every time Charlie looks in the window, he sees somebody there. It's always the back of the mannequin's head and it looks like a real person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> It's crazy. It's, uh, all right. Crazy. Number 10. We and I you. love number 10 because Dr. Tony Alessandra is one of my best friends. And yes. you say number 10, 10 is the platinum rule. And you give yes. credit to Tony. I do. Yes. And I, I did give him credit for that. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Platinum rule rules. You know what? It's so funny because the golden rule has been around for since the Bible, right? It's been around for thousands of years, but we basically say it's not about the golden rule because the golden rule says treat others the way that we want to be treated. But that's really, I don't, I don't want to be treated the way that you want to be treated necessarily, you know, and I have a couple of great stories in the book of examples of what that means. But the platinum rule says, treat others the way that they want to be treated. So I'm always yep. going to treat you the way that you want to be treated. And that's what this is all about. That's what customer centricity is all about. So I, I love that this is number 10, because it sort of puts the stamp on all 10 and says, this is it. This is what it's about. You know, uh, Tony is very, very funny he, as a speaker. And he always talks about the golden rule. There's two golden rules. Right. The one's <laughs> the one you learn. Do unto <laughs> others as you want to done unto yourself. And then there's... He who has the gold makes yep. the rules. Yep. So I just I love that. I, and I wrote about both of them in the book. They're both in that chapter. And I'm like, okay, well, if you don't, if you can't grasp, you know, put your head around this whole platinum rule thing, think about this one. <laughs> yeah. So, but the platinum rule, treat others the way they want to be treated. Exactly. So those are 10 excellent foundational principles. This is what's cool is not one of these. It's like, you can't do eight of them. You've got to do all 10. You can't That's leave right. one out. It's all of this belongs in every company, in every organization. Yep. There's nothing wrong with any of them and why they couldn't work. So let's wrap it up with the right. final one extra little nugget of information that you want to pull out and get us all excited about going to the bookstore and buying the book, which again is titled Built to Win, Designing a Customer-Centric Culture that Drives Value for Your Business by Annette Franz. Thank you. Yeah, you know, there is there's a chapter in the book that we haven't talked about. Obviously, there's at least 10 chapters. <laughs> each, each principle has one. But there's a chapter after I finish talking about the principles about how do we measure culture? I think that's the biggest question that people always have is, well, that's great, but culture is just fuzzy. We can't measure it. And everybody wants to measure everything. So there is actually a chapter in the book that talks about how we measure culture. And there's a couple of different um, approaches that have been outlined there. And, and I don't know if you've spoken. Share one with us. Uh, well, so my good friend, Chris Brown with Market Culture Strategies, you may know Chris, mm -hmm. um, wrote the foreword. And then we also brought in the MRI, their market responsiveness uh, index, their assessment into the book in that chapter. So that is one way that you can measure 
how customer centric your, uh, your culture is. So, so yeah, so, um, and, and, you know, it's a great assessment and we've worked together for several years and, and I ha- was happy to include that in the book. Wow. That's great. So the MRI, another acronym, Yes. <laughs> marketing, marketing response index, is that right? Market responsiveness index. Yeah. Market responsiveness index. Excellent. Annette, thank you for being back a fourth time. I look forward to a fifth time. Hurry I up to write another book. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> or if you've got thank a new you. idea that you want to share, please let me know because we'd love to have you back on. You're one of our favorites. Ah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, everybody that wraps it on another great interview on Amazing Business Radio. And we will back be back next week with another one. So come on back. And until that time, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.